couple things this morning. I want to start by introducing uh, kind of our guest speaker. We have some guests with us from out of town uh, this week for a series of meetings and then also um, sharing with us this morning. But James and Athena Pond uh, are a couple who now kind of call Cincinnati home half the year. Uh, and the other half of the year they call Phnom Penh and Cambodia home uh, where they set up a transitions home, which is basically, you'll hear more, more about it later, but which is basically... Uh, a transitions home for um, girls that are under the age of 18 that are rescued from sex trafficking. Uh, and then they take these girls in, they have a staff, and they work through a lot of different counseling things and kind of help and transition them back, hopefully, to uh, a life again, redeem their lives. And so it's been kind of fun. We've got a team of people at Antioch that are kind of committed to this initiative that we have with Transitions Global. One of the things we're going to be doing over time is helping them build and kind of facilitate a vocational training aspect so that these girls, um, who many of them have a third grade education or less, are able to get skills training so that they can actually go back into the workplace, dream again, have the dignity to try and uh, reclaim a future, reclaim, uh, reclaim dreams and hopes. Um, and so it's kind of a project we're going to be working on. So that team has been able to meet with James and Athena and, and uh, kind of uh, connect with them this weekend. And so it's kind of fun that way. A couple things related to that uh, are two. One, uh, we have a, a, our own kind of very own Antioch Kilns Bookstore product that begins today, kind of a fun little day. Um, we've teamed up with Back Porch Coffee Roasters, so Dave and Mahal Beach have been incredibly generous um, to roast this coffee for us at a really reduced price, and through the bookstore, we're basically going to be selling this but with the profit going to Transitions Global, uh, going back to help support these girls in Cambodia, these young girls in Cambodia. So today's the first day that this rolls out. So after the service, for $12.99, you can go and get yourself some of the Cambia Blend coffee. Um, I got first time in my life I ever did a cupping was yesterday. Have you, have you ever done a coffee cupping? It made me feel really weird. It's just, I need to do it a couple more times because I felt really awkward and strange. But I got to cup. Is that how you say it? I got to cup this coffee. I got to t taste this coffee. Dave, cut. okay. So I got to sample this coffee, um, and uh, it's phenomenal stuff. And so um, just kind of want to let you guys know about that. And we're going to be, we only have 50 bags of this, which will probably blow through today. Um, there it is, okay. Um, so you guys can pick that up today, and then we're going to start stocking it at the Killens Bookstore, and then eventually going to be able to order it online. And so it's kind of a fun thing that we're doing to help support this initiative that we have with Transitions Global. So I want to make you guys aware of that. Um, go visit the book cart after the service, and you can see this and kind of uh, learn more about that. Uh, and it's just, again, it's a really cool thing that we're kind of starting out of the church here, and we'll be getting shipped to all over the country um, and help out uh, the organization that way. Also want to go fishing for some help. Anyone out here who is a development guy, construction guy, owns your own development business, that's your career, uh, etc. When we say, hey, we need people who have a calling for trafficking, we're going to get this group together, you guys are probably the last people in the church that would show up at that meeting. However, um, as part of what we're doing with Transitions Global, we're going to be probably renovating a rental and then a couple years down the road literally potentially help build a complex on some bare land. And there's a team going in August uh, over to Cambodia as a vision trip, kind of a learning trip. And just so you guys know, when a team goes over for a learning trip or vision trip, they pay their own way. They raise their own money. 
Um, so they're really committed in some sense in that level. But this, there's going to be a group going over in August. Um, we would really like to send a developer, a construction guy, you know who you are if I'm talking to you, over there that can kind of see through those eyes what it's like to do any kind of construction or any kind of projects in Cambodia and that when that team comes back, we're able to kind of harness what you learned to map out our to-do list. Does that make sense? So if you're a construction guy, developer, and you feel like you could give up a week in August and kind of commit to this, this thing, we could really use you. And so on your um, connection card or after the service, just write it down or come find me. Um, but I'd really like to talk to you because we, we need to get someone like that on this trip. Um, so uh, there's that aspect. And then just lastly, before I kick it to a video on Transitions Global, and then James is going to come up afterwards, you're going to realize that the topic this morning is really different or ironic for Mother's Day. Um, I, I, sorry for that. Um, Happy Mother's Day. Uh, didn't plan it that way. And uh, just wait till you see what we, we cook up for Father's Day. So, um, so just a little bit of a caveat that way. But let's go ahead and show the video of Transitions Global. And then after that, please give a warm welcome to James. Thank you. The average age of a sex trafficking victim is 15 years old. And so at Transitions Global, we realized that there was a critical need for services for girls between the ages of 14 and 18 years old. So we developed the Transitional Living Center as a model that would specifically address the needs of girls in this age group so that they would receive the trauma therapy and counseling that they needed, um, adult life skills, and that they would be in an environment that would facilitate their healing but also help them to find their dreams and to recapture hope in their lives. beneath an orange sky With my sister standing by With my sister standing by. I said, sister, here is what I know salvation lies in your love my salvation lies in your love my salvation lies in your love in your love in your for transitions global we have a very therapeutic program but it's it's built around a very home-like environment and so when a girl is first rescued she comes to the center and is greeted by our house moms and our staff She'll go through a number of assessments, psychological assessments, personal assessments, um, family and community evaluations and assessments, so that we can best help her, uh, both educationally and vocationally. Our therapy program is specifically developed for adolescent girls that have been sexually trafficked, so that they have the best opportunity of healing, so they can succeed outside of our program. They'll also begin their education programs, whether that's just a literacy program or going back into formal education. Later in the program, they'll be involved in vocational training of their choice, which um, can look very different for every girl. 
but it means that they spend less time in the shelter and more time outside engaging in life and learning what it is to be an independent and free human being. Sister, you know I'm so weary And you know, sister, my heart's been broken Sometimes, sometimes my mind is too strong To carry on If you would like to help Transitions Global in restoring the lives of girls by giving them hope, freedom, and a new future, please visit us at transitionsglobal.org. With my brother and my sister standing by. Good morning. Um, oh, Echo. Ken with, uh, this may be the oddest Mother's Day sermon you've ever heard, um, but welcome. This morning, I would like to talk to you guys about the problem of justice. Not so much that there's a problem with justice, but more maybe how we perceive it, how we understand it, and how it affects our lives. And so uh, this morning, what I'd like to do is weave sort of a biblical narrative into our own narrative and how we got involved in helping trafficking survivors um, in Cambodia. So the, the question on the screen here is, you know, what is sex trafficking really? And I think most of us are probably familiar with it. We hear it more in our, our public discourse. We're reading it more in the paper. We're hearing it on our television and radio programs. We're seeing it in movies. I think most people in here may have seen the movie um, Taken, or something on CSI, or maybe another program that's related to sex trafficking. And yet, what often happens in our mind is we begin to compartmentalize, and we say, well, girls are being sexually trafficked, and so we have these new words for it. We call it modern-day slavery. We call it human trafficking. But really what it is, it is, it is the serial rape of a child. And what that means for, for us as an organization, the things that I've seen around the world in about 11 different countries, is that these girls are, are taken in a number of different ways and, and serially abused until they're no longer of value to that person and then ejected into society to try to survive on their own. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to take it out of sort of this niche element of it being sex trafficking, and I'd like to bring it into a broader element of what justice looks like. Because when we, when we look at it as just a problem, we say, oh, sex trafficking's over here, we've got this horrible problem, we need to get these girls out of this situation. We lack the understanding of what justice really looks like. Um, what most people assume when they think about Cambodia is they say, well, it's really horrible that a mother would sell her child into a, a brothel. And that does happen. That happens even right here in the United States. I don't know if many of you are aware, but just in Tualatin, Oregon, just outside of Portland, a mother was selling her 14- and 17-year-old daughter so that she could buy high-end electronics. So that's one way in which it happens. But what I really want to get our heads and hearts around is the idea that what's happening is predators are preying on the vulnerable 
needy and poor. And so in the, in the sort of the sphere of justice, we're looking at a much bigger issue. Now, there's a special warning, because I think for most women that are in here, when you begin to hear about sex trafficking, there's an emotional response for women that go, I get that. But for men, there's a very different response. When I go and speak and lecture around the country on sex trafficking, 87% of my audience are women. 13% of them are men. And I think it's because there's a response. Now, I'm a former Marine. I spent eight years in the Marine Corps. This is my gut response. I want to go hunt these guys down with a machine gun, and we'll just kill them all. And I think that most men in here, the way that God has designed us is we are protectors. When we begin to hear about this issue, it stirs all kinds of stuff up, and we don't know how to process it. And so what I want to do is encourage you men that are in here to dive into this. This is an important issue that requires men's voices. There's two sort of large macro issues if we want to see sex trafficking end in the world. One is we need to raise the status of women and girls. That's something that our organization is very fixated on. But the other is we have to deal with the entitlement of men. And unfortunately, women don't have the voice to end that men do. And so I encourage you this morning, as you guys are listening to this, if there's this response that makes you want to sort of get clothes away from this, I would really... Um, impress upon you to go before God and ask him how you might respond to this because we are designed to protect the women and girls in our lives and that includes these young women that are in Cambodia. So in terms of our own particular journey, a lot of people often ask us, how in the world did you guys get into this? And I think we're, you want to close it down to like one seminal moment in your life that you feel like, oh, this is what, what happened. You know, X happened and so we did, we did this. Um, unfortunately, I think we all know in here that we're a culmination of our experiences, um, our learning, and our entire life is moving towards something that God has a trajectory and a destiny for us. Um, and so if I were to give you the short story, in 2004, we watched the Dateline special with Chris Hansen called Children for Sale, and we decided that we had to do something. And so a year later, we picked up our family and moved to Cambodia. The longer version of that is that our entire lives were sort of built around this. I spent eight years in the Marine Corps working in intelligence and security, and so I learned a whole lot about how, how humans are trafficked and what criminal tactics look like and what might be behind that. Uh, we worked at, with at-risk teenagers in our young married years. But one of our greatest frustrations was when we became Christians, we got into the church, we realized that there were sort of there was a dualistic um, thing happening within the church. There was what we talked about, and then there was what we did. And we'll talk about that a little more later in the service. But um, what we were seeing was this large disconnect. And so very early on in our Christian journey, uh, my wife and I were in church, and this mother comes and she says, my teenage daughter's out of control, my husband's in jail, I don't know what to do, I'm at my wit's end, I need some help. And so the pastor and the elders of the church said, well, we'll pray about it. And I, I was outraged that no one wanted to act. And so we ended up taking this teenager in, that led to four other teenagers we ended up raising in our lives. But what I, what I understood about our theological journey, and this is something that, um, that I would ask you to consider, is that often we want to reflect and learn first, and then we want to act. And yet the biblical model is that we have to act and then reflect. And so what we found ourselves doing was acting 
learning and then reflecting on how God might want us to change up our tactics. So in 2005, we moved to Cambodia. We started a shelter for girls. I ended up building the Fort Knox of Cambodia. It was the most high-speed shelter you've ever been in. And our first night, we took 19 girls in. Within two short weeks, I realized that we had done the wrong thing. Because what we had done was we had rescued girls from being imprisoned, and we had put them into a really glamorous prison. These girls had, they weren't interacting in society. They had no hope for their futures. And so my wife and I began to consider what might a just response to sex trafficking be. And so what we ended up doing was we created um, a shelter that is called the Transitional Living Center, and it's built around the idea that girls need to be able to dream. Girls need to be able to see a future and a destiny that goes beyond what most people were doing. So what I'd like to do is let's take a look I'm missing a slide. Okay. What we're going to do is, if you guys would, um, open up your Bibles to Jeremiah 22. What I'd like to do is, this was something that um, I considered very early on in my my Christian journey into this world. Um, It was found in Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah 22... Verse 11, he says, For thus says the Lord concerning Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who reigned instead of Josiah his father, and who went away from this place, he shall return here no more, but the place where they have carried him captive, there shall he die, and, they, and he shall never see this land again. And so what's going on in this chapter is Jeremiah is, he is bringing um, a chastisement against Josiah's sons specifically against um, Jehoiakim, and because Josiah was a just king. He reigned and ruled um, in righteousness. And so in verse 13, here's what it says. It says, Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbor serve him for nothing and does not give him his wages. And so what is actually happening in this verse, this sort of this literal Hebrew behind that, is that King Jehoiakim actually built injustice into the walls of the the temples and the buildings that he built during his reign. Like literally, slave labor built it. And the injustice was almost like the building of the Great Wall. These slaves would collapse, and he just rolled them into the walls and build over them. And so... Um, Jeremiah is saying that God is looking at this king's unjustness in the same way by enslaving people and using them unrighteously. And so let's skip down to verse 16. And here's what it says. It says that he defended, well, he says, it judged the cause of the poor and the needy, and then it was well. Is this not to know me, declares the Lord. And in a different version, the one that's on the screen, he said he defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. And what's really powerful about that is that a part of our, an intricate part of our relationship with God is based on doing justice for the cause of the needy and the poor. 
So we have these two words going on in these scriptures, and, and so we have this idea of justice and righteousness. And so um, one of the things I appreciate about Antioch Church is you guys are a very academic church, and so the word justice and righteousness actually means the same thing in Hebrew. Okay, the idea of stakah and mishpat, the two Hebrew words, they can be used interchangeably between justice and righteousness. And then in the New Testament, the Greek word is um, dakainos. And so what we see happening with justice and righteousness is often in our minds, when we see those words, we see justice as something that happens to people. It's, it's a horizontal relationship. And then we look at righteousness as something that is personal. It's between me and God. But yet scripture makes it interchangeable. And what we see is that God doesn't divide those things at all. He actually sees them as one thing. It's the right relationship of all things within a created order. And so when we look at what justice really means, it's our right relationship to each other and God at the same time. It's a unified theory of of justice. And so for us, we began asking ourselves in working with sex trafficking survivors, what does justice really look like? Does justice mean just pulling them out of the fire and leaving them burned and hurt and abused, or does it look like something different? And what we realized is that justice is really the redemption of a person, a family, a community, a society in relationship to God and one another. So we began looking around and asking, um, what are these girls doing? You, You rescue them from slavery. We went to these other organizations and we started saying, what kind of future do these girls have? Well, they said, well, you know, they're damaged goods. These girls have been seriously abused. They're dealing with heavy psychological and emotional problems. They've got so many family problems. They've got a first to third grade education. Um, the most they might be able to do in life is have a sewing machine and be a seamstress somewhere, or maybe make some handicrafts for someone. And I couldn't believe that that was true. I think many of us have come from different circumstances. I came from some very hard ones, and God was able to redeem my life. Why wouldn't we want to invest in seeing these young girls be redeemed in a way that that God would see as honorable and as just? So um, we started this, this idea that maybe God's conception of redemption was to help them to dream again. So we built this program, And what we do when girls come is we hand them a book called the Dream Book. And that Dream Book shows girls in a variety of different careers. Photographers, office managers, um, nurses, social workers, teachers, computer technicians, taxi drivers, tour guides. And these girls begin to become inspired. And they begin to see that maybe I could be something in life. And then what we do throughout the entire program is we begin to build into them their value their capacity. And then we do something that's really rare, and what we do is girls are required to do community service while they're in our program. They're no longer victims. They're no longer survivors. What we've done is we've taught them that they are world changers. They have the capacity to give back, and the moment that we begin to give back as a person, we begin to feel that we have value. I think each and every one of you, if you volunteered in everything from an animal shelter to a hospice, know that our capacity as humans and creations of God is that we, that capacity to give back gives us tremendous value. And so we do, 
what I think God desires of us, and that's to teach them their true value by learning to give, not just take. And so what we've seen happen is um, girls have picked careers that end up influencing other young women. So while I was back in Cambodia um, just a couple of months ago, um, one of our young girls came back. She's now working as a counselor in a shelter on the border of Thailand and Cambodia. She works with sex trafficking survivors, helping them work through their trauma. She came back to say thank you. And she said, I didn't realize it at the time, but you were helping me become something that God wanted me to be from the very beginning. And I think that's what um, we find at Transitions is that there is just a tremendous value in seeing these young women become what God wants them to be. Now, one of the things that you will often hear in the world of human trafficking is this idea that we are reabolishing slavery. This is a new movement. We are tackling modern-day slavery because we abolished it in the 1800s, and now we're, we have got this massive problem. We need to fix it. And I'm here to debunk that theory and tell you that there is no new abolitionist movement. There is a fresh abolition movement because we didn't do it the first time. In 1863, we, we put the Emancipation Proclamation into in action, and we said, okay, slaves, you're all free to go. And yet, almost three-fourths of slaves remained in their station as slaves because they didn't know anything else. Because the question we forgot to ask in the first abolitionist movement in this country, as well as around the world, is not what are we freeing people from, but what are we freeing them to? And so shortly after 1863, people began to cry that there was white slavery and international slavery occurring right under our noses. In 1910, Emma Goldman wrote a letter saying, it's happening right under your noses and you don't even see it. In the late 1800s, Oregon and Portland had actually built cozies underneath the streets of the city where they had locked-in brothels. They put women in cages to service the sailors coming into port. So, folks, it never went away. And so, along with this new abolitionist movement, we've got to be thinking about a new freedom, and a freedom that I think God has designated for um, these young women that we are setting free is not what we're setting them free from, but what are we setting them free to? So, where does Antioch Church fit into all this? Um, I think Ken mentioned a little earlier. We had the joy and pleasure of having... Um, the World Relief Team from Antioch Church come and visit us this past uh, January. And uh, the video that you guys saw just prior to service was done by your very own uh, Beth Fisher, um, who did just an absolutely beautiful job putting that together for us. And so thank you. Um, When Ken came out, he really captured a vision for not only what we were doing, but how Antioch Church might be involved. Um, He asked us, he said, where are the gaps Like, what's missing in what you guys are doing? And one of the things that's happened is we've given girls some really amazing futures. We have girls working as social workers, teachers, counselors, um, chefs, yoga instructors. But we've hit this glass ceiling where we've maxed out on what kind of vocations are available to girls in Cambodia. And so um, what we are looking to do is to invite Antioch Um, into helping us to develop a vocational training center that would allow girls to pursue vocations that we can't offer currently. And so uh, this August, there's going to be a vision trip coming to Cambodia um, and working with us to figure out what the next steps might be. And so if you are inclined and feel God tugging at your heartstrings to come on this trip, um, you can get some more information, I think, by filling out that contact card.
Um, because for us, um, by giving girls new vocations, we can help them achieve new dreams. And what we see happening is girls um, regaining their voice, regaining their sense of who they are in Christ, and ultimately changing the world around them. And I believe that's what each one of us is called to do. And I was looking at this the wrong way. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do right now is I'd like to um, close us in prayer, if that's okay. So if uh, you guys could uh, just pray with me. Dear God, I just thank you for this church that has such a um, heart's cry to be a part of your justice in the world, to be a part of transforming the world to reflect your kingdom. And we just ask that as we walk away this morning, Lord, that we would be looking for how we can be more in tune with your sense of justice in the world and what that might look like for us as um, individuals as well as for um, our body here at Antioch Church. And we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.